You ready? Yes. Are we really already recording? Yes. So while I just sat there in silence replying to my sister on Snapchat. No, it started with the... Of you rubbing your hands together. Oh, could you actually hear that? I could. I don't know if it'll pick up on the... Eh. Well. I, I hate your episodes. I freeze up. I freeze up. My Hello. whole brain goes blank. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Dying to Know. My name is Jimmy. I'm here with my wife, Lindsay. Hello. And today, we originally were going to do a, a collab like episode where the two of us did stuff together. But it's been kind of a busy week. Yeah, we had a lot of stuff going on. And I, I had... don't work, so... <laughs> so it's, it's a Lindsay episode. It is. I mean, it was a Lindsay episode anyway, but... Yeah, but... Uh, but yeah, I will, I, I'll will. i just be doing it on my own. Yes. All alone. Shut up. <laughs> Alright, so today is somewhat of a special episode. Yep. This, was, this topic was uh, requested... From a younger listener who doesn't listen to all the episodes because they're not always uh, child-friendly. But... <laughs> I don't think any of our episodes have been child-friendly yet. Uh, some of my ghost story ones are okay. I, I say bad words. I mean, we both I, do. I say a lot of bad words. We're terrible. Okay. Um, but our topic today is dragons. Per okay. the request from our niece, Emma. Hi, Emma. We love you. <laughs> Uh, Sammy, if you're listening, we also love you. <laughs> um, so, uh, we're doing dragons today. I have dived a little bit into the history of dragons, and we're going to go over some different types of dragons. Hit me with it. Uh, so, I apologize, Emma, if some of this is a little boring. But. It's dragons. We're, it's all dragons. Okay. So, uh, a lot of my, actually all of my information came from uh, two articles. Okay. One is from, I, I feel the need to <laughs> to explain my sources because I plagiarized them. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, so, my two sources come from mythology.net, and it's, one is an article from his username just said Professor Geller, which just makes me think of friends. That's but, probably what it is. Um, but he has actually written several articles on various things. Most of them seem to be about, like, gods. Okay, gods, mythological creatures. Yes. Okay. Um, and then the other one comes from listworld.com, and it's an article from Krishna Pandey. So, uh... They are my fountain of knowledge here. So, uh, as one of the most popular mythological creatures in the modern day, uh, dragons actually aren't really much of a mystery. We know exactly, like, dragons are dragons. Like, okay. typically, when you hear the word dragon, uh, you know, that you have a specific image of what you think of as a dragon. Yeah, I mean... It's not some creature okay. that we don't know. You hear dragon, what do you think of? Do you think of something like something from a specific movie, something from a specific book? Uh, I. Or no. Not specifically. Like if I had to point out a uh, if I had to point out a specific source 
or like a reference, I would maybe say The Hobbit with Smaug. Smog. Smog. Really? Smog. Just because, but Smog is a, a particular type of dragon, but the like dragons have various forms and there's a lot of hearsay on exactly what constitutes like a dragon versus like a wyvern a, a wyvern or uh, a drake or like they're all different like kinds of dragons yes oh so like what i was getting at is like i i think of dragon like no matter what we're talking about the possibly one of the best like dragon designs mm-hmm. in my in it sticks with my head is uh draco from Dragonheart. I actually thought of that one too. Yeah, that's like in my head that is like the base dragon I think of and then I branch out from there like yeah. just because I watched that kid when I was a kid or that movie when I was a kid and the dragon design is just so cool looking. And he is very much like the stereotypical dragon. He's mm-hmm. got four individual legs, legs walks on big fours. ass wings on his back, like the the kind of Almost like a Chinese dragon's head, like that yeah. kind of long neck with the big triangular head, um, and obviously all the little thor- like horns and stuff on top. Uh, I also like, and I'm sure now, especially with popular culture being what it is, a lot of people think of dragons uh, in the way that they're tied to like Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, but I know there's a lot of arguing over whether those are dragons or wyverns because uh typically wyverns or wyverns however you want to say it their front arms are attached, are attached to, to their, their wings. wings they got little baby arms they're like yes, pterodactyls they're like little claws almost yeah. uh versus like a traditional dragon which like the dragon from Dragonheart walks on all fours walks on all fours so yeah. it's really up to you how how you want dragons to be classified i was just curious what you pictured uh but i derailed the hell out of us but it's okay (laughs) you did one sentence in (laughs) it's what i do (laughs) um but i mean that's the whole idea is that you hear the word dragon you you have an idea of what it's not some creature we don't know what it looks like like yeah it's just it's interesting because depending on where you are in the world it's it's one of the most interesting mythological creatures because everyone i mean if you ask someone to tell you what a dragon is and they go, I don't know what a dragon is. They've been I, living you, under a rock. Yeah, you're living. But what's crazy is depending on where you live or the exposure, because they're so prevalent in like stories, everyone will describe them differently. Yes. That's what I was, kind of what I was getting at. Yeah. Uh, if I remember correctly, I think Smaug is like the dragon from Dragonheart. I think he's on all fours. I believe so. Um. But aside from us obviously knowing roughly what dragons look like and or how we see dragons, uh, they have a pretty lengthy history that a lot of people actually don't know about. Um, when most people envision a dragon, they think of typically a large uh, reptile or like serpentine kind of snake-like creatures with enormous wings that breathe fire and attack castles. Yep. That's uh, like the standard medieval dragon. Yeah. Um, and if I remember from, from my research here, I think a lot of that uh, idea that dragons 
attack castles and and that you have to go and like slay a dragon is very much bait like a lot of that there obviously was dragon slaying beforehand but uh the idea that you had to like to prove that you were a hero you had to go and slay a dragon started with the story of king arthur um that became like the standard mm-hmm. it was just like oh there's a dragon let's go slay it and we'll be heroes yay yeah um but dragon mythology has actually existed almost as long as people have. Uh, in fact, many early Mesopotamian cultures, which is like some of the uh, like first cultures that we've discovered, uh, and other ancient cultures in the Near East have rich oral histories that tell of mighty storm dragons saving the people from evil giant serpents. So, unlike King Arthur's story... These early stories, the dragons were good guys. Yes. They were protectors. Yeah. Uh, which, depending on, and I'm getting ahead of myself, and I know I'm probably stealing thunder, depending on your source and depending on what culture you come from mm-hmm. and uh, what stories you believe, that's, I would say, a good half. Like, yeah. half the stories are dragons or these evil monsters that attack castles, and the other half is... And hoard treasure and or yeah. kidnap maidens or whatever. And the other half is that dragons are the protectors of humanity. Yes. Um, I lost my place. A little. Oh, so uh, typically the serpents that they were uh, told to be fighting uh, had a lot of terrifying features that actually seemed to transfer over to the dragons themselves throughout history. Uh, typically these evil giant serpents had... Uh, I mean, it ranged, but a lot of them had fluorescent skin. Okay. Meaning that it either glowed or that it was like iridescent. Or like, yeah, like neon bright colors. Yes. Um, They had the ability to breathe fire and they could fly. And. Interesting. Yeah. It's almost like, because these were all oral tellings, it's almost like Mm -hmm. the game of telephone tag. Kind of, yeah. Where I tell you, you know, the dog rides the yellow bus and Mm -hmm. 50 people down, it's, you know forget mel gibson walked into a house like it's <laughs> yeah. it's yeah. but it is it's like telephone tag so like the i guarantee the stories got told over time and the lines between the serpents and the dragons got blurred yeah and suddenly the dragons had could breathe able fire, to breathe fire and, and fly had wings. And, yeah. yeah um so a lot of these particular myths were the foundation for the modern perspective of dragons because we said a lot of depictions have them with iridescent skin breathing fire Mm -hmm. and flying um so how can one accurately describe a dragon uh for starters it seems that a dragon is actually any form of a serpent or a lizard-like reptile okay i can agree um, with that that has a an especially fearsome nature they're they're very intimidating looking generally yeah, I mean, unless you're watching something like How to Train Your Dragon. <laughs> but they're adorable. But I, yeah. yeah, but yeah, typically they are. They're like super imposing creatures. Uh, but in How to Train Your Dragon, they do have sort of a snake-like... Oh, yeah. Like... Big time. Uh, Demeanor. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly the word I was looking for. Uh, so... Um, the idea of them being some form of like serpent is indicated by the word uh, dracon, which is the Latin word for dragon, uh, and which is how we get the English word for dragon. dragon. Um, 
dracone literally means large serpent or sea serpent. Okay. Uh, additionally, most dragons are described as being evil in nature now, like modern day. Dragons are generally considered to be evil, even though there's a good amount of them that are not. Um, this isn't always the case, however, as evidenced by Chinese myth- mythology. Uh, there are times that dragons are o- are often shown as benevolent and knowledgeable creatures. So uh, in Western cultures like ours uh dragons are depicted as being evil they're they're like i said you you a dragon comes along terrorizes people you slay it you're the hero straight up they're monsters yes that's they're in the yeah i'd say movie monsters but it was even before that was books it was it's their media monsters yes uh in chinese mythology they have continued to uh represent a more like like you said protector of of humankind like they're Fuck. Oh, i'm trying not to cuss this episode <laughs> it almost happened uh perfect example mulan yes with uh, mushu, mushu. Yeah. yeah he's a, he's literally a luck dragon like he's well and he's the well in the dragon he was that was supposed to show up originally to help stone dragon the greatest stone dragon was the family's protector spirit yes. like the whole thing is that they they I want to say they worship dragons, but they they look to dragons for protection. Yes, uh, and I always liked that Mushu is actually red in that movie, and red is a is considered a lucky color in China. Huh. So he's literally a luck luck dragon. Cool. <laughs> um. So, uh, I'm gonna get into a little bit of like the evolution of dragons. It's very I have very short paragraphs here, so You're we're fine. gonna move a little quickly through topics. But uh, I'll in- interrupt as much as possible. Okay. <laughs> it's going to be a long episode. Uh, in early cultures, the dragons were often seen as mighty serpents and beasts that were either extremely benevolent or fearsome and difficult to kill, which we've kind of already gone over. Uh, the beliefs of a region are often influenced by the geographical location. Eastern cult- cultures, as in China, Japan, uh, Think like the Asia. Middle East, yes. Um, often saw dragons as a knowledgeable deity that had power over storms and water. Okay. Uh, additionally, they also saw the dragon as a powerful and benevolent creature that could ward off evil. So essentially just the presence of it could protect them. Okay. Western cultures had a very different perspective. They often saw dragons as evil beasts that reveled in killing and chaos. Uh, Many dragons are depicted as living in dark and dangerous places that were often perilous or dangerous for uh, men in ancient times. And additionally, they were often thought to guard hordes of treasure. Okay. In both cultures, dragons were largely thought to be wingless before the medieval ages. Interesting. Okay, so... If we go back to what we were talking about, like the old stories of the dragons fighting the serpent creatures. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if in those stories, the dragons were wingless as well. It's possible. I mean, even even now, Chinese dragons don't, don't have, have wings. wings. No. And they're more snake-like. They're, they're, they're giant lizard snakes, Basically, that can fly without the use of wings. Yeah. Um, Just kind of slither through the air. <laughs> yeah. Uh, during this time, the middle, the medieval ages, the Western cultures began to transform their dragon portrayals while Eastern cultures continued with their traditions. Okay. Uh, I wonder why they changed at that time period just to make them more fearsome. Probably. And again, a flying dragon's a hell of a lot more menacing than one that has 
to like climb and walk. Mm -hmm. Especially if you want it to be the, the evil that you're supposed to fight off. And I'm going to get a little bit into uh, some short dragon stories in this. Okay. And you'll kind of see why they're depicted as evil in Western culture. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering if it if this is like a case of the uh the fisherman. The fisherman. Like stories where it's like he tells the story one time he caught a fish that was he almost caught a fish that was three feet long. And then as time goes on, you know, three years later, it's I almost caught a fish that was ten feet long. Like it keeps evolving. So like you have this guy who's like, I saw a dragon and it did this and it did this and it draws people in. So he keeps getting more outlandish where mm-hmm. he's like, and then it breathed fire and it flew into the air. You know what I mean? Like, And then someone goes to slay it and it's like a gecko. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but when he comes back, it wasn't. Yes. And it was not only <laughs> was it flying and breathed fire, it was three stories tall. Like, you yeah. know. <laughs> Uh, So, while many people know that dragons are thought to guard hordes of treasure, there are also other myths that still surround the creature. Uh, One such myth is that dragon's blood held special properties that gave anyone with access to it unique opportunities. If, for example, uh, a person was to dip a sword or knife into dragon blood and stab someone with it, their wound would never heal. Oh, okay. However, not all things associated with dragon blood are bad. Uh, it is also thought that dragon blood in like ingested by a person it's like drinking it would give them the ability to see into the future okay so interesting mm-hmm. are all these came out of like middle the middle ages all these stories yeah. okay uh, it is also thought that dragons from the Eastern world would have the ability to change size and shape. In fact, most of the dragons from Eastern legends have the ability to change into human form at will. Yes, and that actually has made a big jump into Western cultures. Yeah. In like I think in like the 1900s, it yeah. made a big, a big, a big jump. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. But yeah, I, I thought that was really cool that like you could have these massive creatures living as humans essentially whenever they really wanted to well and you can look at like i mean it's if you think about like not even i wasn't even thinking that hard but like uh you can pick a lot of pop culture has delved into this i know there's this episode of supernatural yeah where uh a dragon turns into human form Mm -hmm. uh there's a character in the witcher yeah. That's a dragon in human form. World of Warcraft has the dragon ancients that turn into human form. Like, it's a very popular thing now in America. Yes. And now in Western civilization. But in the Middle Ages, that was not even a thought. They no. were mo- hardcore monsters. Yes. Uh, so, okay. So uh, here I'm going to get into a little bit of, like, the earlier dragons. Okay. Like, some of the earliest depictions of them. Uh. So in early cultures, there are many tales of benevolent storm gods that defeated giant sea serpents in order to save mankind. Uh, there are many versions of this tale. One of the most popular is the modern day. Uh, uh, sorry, one of the most popular in the modern day is Yahweh's predicted battle with the mighty Leviathan. Uh, if you don't know who Yahweh is, he's Jehovah from the Hebrew Bible. Um that's actually so I didn't dive too far into it, but um, essentially when 
I'm going to call him Jehovah because that's how a lot of people know him. Uh, and then I'll go back to Yahweh. But uh, when Jehovah first revealed his name to mankind, it was only seen as four consonants. Y-H-W-H. Uh, so people called him Yahweh. Uh, it wasn't until the 19th and 20th centuries that uh, the the people who created, who like printed the Bibles changed his name to Jehovah. Okay. Um, and actually uh, in more current day, like within the last like 20 to 50 years, uh, people have started reverting back to calling him Yahweh. Okay. So essentially he's God. Okay. okay. Uh, but it's, it, the whole tale is uh, him fighting the Leviathan and Leviathan was this giant uh, sea serpent mm -hmm. that lived in the ocean and ruled over all of the ocean species. So he was, he was the God of the ocean basically. Yeah. Uh, and it was their fight. That was, it's one of the more popular known stories. Typically, Yahweh is uh, depicted as being a dragon. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So I just thought that was interesting. But uh, we'll get into that a little bit here, too, because I have more actual information. So uh, the first, like, physical dragon that's really described as being, like, a living thing uh, is... I'm going to mess up this name because I can't enunciate. Uh, Mushusu? Mushusu. Okay. Which is funny because it sounds kind of like Mushu. Yeah. Uh, the Mushusu, more popularly known as the Sirush, uh, due to a mistranslation, was an ancient dragon of the Mesopotamian region that was thought to be the attendant to the gods. Okay. Uh, it was actually thought to live in the Babylonian palaces until essentially meeting its end at the hand of uh, the biblical prophet Daniel, who okay. is in the Hebrew Bible. Um, the story goes that Babylonian priests took Daniel to the Temple of Bel, uh, which is where the dragon was living, essentially. And showed him a great dragon that many believed to be Musu, Mushusu. Okay. Uh, upon seeing the creature, they challenged Daniel to match his invisible god, uh, who was Yahweh, uh, against their living god. The dragon. The dragon. Uh, dragon poisoned, or uh, sorry, Daniel poisoned the dragon. Oh. That, that's the end of that story. Okay. Yeah, so... I don't know what kind of creature it actually was. If it was some kind of, maybe it was like a monitor lizard. <laughs> who, who the fuck knows? Sorry. <laughs> I told you we're trying not to cuss. Who the heck knows? knows. <laughs> uh, okay. So uh, next would be the Leviathan. Yeah. I mean, the I we've talked about the Leviathan in a past episode. In the, yeah. The sea monster episode. The Leviathan. And I'm going to run from top of my head. Mm-hmm. You correct me. Leviathan literally was a giant sea serpent. It was like kind of what you've already said, the ruler of the ocean. Yeah. Um, if if ships 
sank. Sank. It was, it was because of the, the Leviathan. Leviathan. It if, was like the great, and it exists across multiple cultures. Yes. That's what I love about the like Leviathan myths. Mm-hmm. Much like the dragon stories, they exist across many different cultures. Yeah. There's many different descriptions, but ultimately the Leviathan is what caused a lot of ancient civilizations to be afraid of the ocean. Yes. Because it was always the Leviathan is waiting. Yeah. And uh, some depictions, I could see why mm-hmm. the Leviathan could be considered a dragon. It looked like a giant sea serpent. Yeah, a giant snake, essentially, living mm-hmm. in the ocean underwater that could just pop, pop up, up and, and eat you anytime it felt like it. Yeah, and it sunk ships like like crazy, which reality, there are probably storms and them getting lost and stuff like that. But the idea of this giant sea serpent just hanging out under the water terrified yeah. people. Um, so, so love, obviously, like we've said, Leviathan is one of the most popular serpents in mythology, uh, of the modern day due to the large influence of Christianity, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, lore tells us that, that Leviathan is a terrible serpent that may stretch 300 miles in length. Damn. Yeah. Like that, that big, 300 miles. That's crazy. Uh, he had double armored scales that are fitted so tightly together that no air can get through. Okay. Uh, Leviathan is also known to have glowing eyes and skin, as well as the ability to breathe fire. Okay. At one point in time, there were supposedly two Leviathans, one male and one female. Uh, however, they were essentially turned evil not long after they were created and eventually the female had to be killed so that any babies they had wouldn't devour the world. Okay. So, uh, that's interesting. That's God. It's kind of cool listening to this. Cause that kind of like the whole devouring the world thing sounds like the world serpent from Norse mythology. Yes. And I'm going to get into that okay. too. <laughs> uh, so like I said uh, before legend, uh, tells that Yahweh will descend to the earth at the end of days and defeat the Leviathan once and for all. And that will be essentially the, the end showdown. of the world. Yes. What? Nothing. Yeah, you're, I, I see you connecting the, the dots. The Norse with, mythology dots. Yeah. Because it's, it's Thor and uh, the world serpent, isn't it? Jormungandr, yeah. Yeah, because that's the end. That's Ragnarok. Okay. I'm sorry. Let me get to it. <laughs> I love Norse mythology, so it's like... I know, me too. I'm going to nerd out for a second. Uh, so, while all cultures have mythology that is heavily influenced by serpents and dragons, uh, Greek mythology is perhaps the most uh, one of the most well-known in modern day. Two of the most famous stories concern Typhon and Hydra. The Not- Hydra... Hydra is popular as all hell. Yes. If you've seen the the Disney animated film Hercules, you know who the Hydra is. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Typhon, though, we'll start with him. That's actually kind of a gray area for me. Like, I've heard the name. I kind of remember it, but I couldn't. If you told me to explain it, I couldn't. Uh, Typhon, it's actually a, not a fairly long story. I mean, I I have it kind of paraphrased here, but uh, Typhon was a serpent monster thought to be uh, the I think he was thought to be like the the master of all monsters. Okay. Uh, 
he was actually created by Zeus's mother, Rhea, uh, because she felt angry with the way that Zeus went about overthrowing his father, Kronos. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Uh, so Typhon rose up and terrorized the gods that lived on Mount Olympus. He was just about unstoppable, but Zeus was able to overcome the monster eventually with the help of a few of his siblings. Um, so I don't have much more into that story. I'm sure it's it's a whole epic tale. Uh, supposedly... Um, Sorry, just making sure. Yeah, supposedly Typhon lived at a particular in a particular lake okay. in Greece, and that lake was thought to be the entrance to the underworld. Um so that has a lot of a lot to do with it too, but I so Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. He was a big scary snake like person that Zeus killed. He's in God of War too. Is he? Yeah, is that just, why the name was familiar? Yes, that's exactly why his name is familiar. <laughs> I was wondering what you were looking up. <laughs> yeah, I was like, why is that name familiar? It's bugging me. He's one of the bosses in God of War 2. Um, so, moving on. Uh, Hydra is a multi-headed serpent that was said... Oh, no. I confused the two. Sorry. Typhon did not live in the lake. It was the Hydra. The Hydra, yeah. Uh, Hydra was a multi-headed serpent that was said to live in the lake of Lerna. Lerna? I'm going to say Lerna. I think it's Lerna. Sounds fancier. Uh, At the time, Lerna was considered to be the entrance to the underworld. Uh, Hydra was thought to be undefeatable because every time one of its heads was cut off, two grew back in its place. Um, In addition to this, one of the heads of the Hydra was immortal, thought to be like its original head. Mm Uh, The dragon, because the Hydra is considered a dragon, uh, was eventually overcome by the hero Hercules, who killed it by cutting off its heads and cauterizing the wounds. So he burned the spots where he had cut off the heads heads to prevent more from growing. Uh, He then took the immortal head and buried it underground. So, Okay. Okay, so now we're kind of jumping to like the medieval times. Okay. Uh, in the medieval times, tales of dragons from several cultures, sorry, uh, including Greco-Roman writings, biblical tales, and Western European legends. Um, that sentence does not make sense. That's what I get for co- copying and pasting. You're okay. <laughs> it's an incomplete sentence. Uh, the result was the dragon that is most often thought of as the modern day dragon with what we were talking about with all Mm -hmm. fours and wings and whatnot Uh, this transformation took place during a 300 year time span from the 11th century to the 13th century so over the course of 300 years is when this new version of the dragon was developed yes Uh, one of the most famous dragon tales to arise from this time was the one that would give rise to the child prophet merlin okay Uh, it is said that in the 12th century a warlord by the name of Vortigern was trying to build a tower on Mount Snowdon as protection against his enemies. He was unsuccessful in his efforts, however, because each time the tower was constructed, it was swallowed by the ground. The child prophet Merlin, uh, who is thought to have Been, inspired yeah. the warlock Mer- Merlin in the King Arthur, Arthur tales, story. 
informed the warlord that his tower wouldn't stand because there was an underground pool directly below his foundation. In it lay two sleeping dragons, one white and one red. Vortigern had the pool drained and the two dragons came out. Uh, as soon as they were exposed to the surface, they began fighting each other. Uh, Merlin prophesied that the white dragon would prevail over the red dragon, symbolizing England's conquest of Wales, actually. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, however, he also tells that the red dragon would eventually return and defeat the white dragon. And in the story, the white dragon does defeat the red dragon. Okay. But we it wasn't continu- we don't know when or why the red dragon comes back, so <laughs> to be continued. Eh, maybe. Um <laughs> uh, okay, so here we're gonna have a few short stories. Nothing too crazy. Uh this one I thought about excluding, but I kinda really like the story. The dragon's not super prevalent in it, so I'm sorry about that. But um, there's a really awesome princess in it. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So, well, she's not a real princess, but um, this is the very short story of, I'm probably going to mispronounce her name, but uh, I'm going to call her Takane. Okay. The dragon slaying princess. So, the tale of Takane comes from South African mythology, which... I don't normally think of when I think of dragons at all. Yeah. Uh, that it, it threw me. I was like, oh, like, really? But it, it goes to show, like I said... How that, widespread. How widespread the dragon mythology is. Uh, her story tells of a young princess named Takane. She was the daughter of a great and powerful chief. Unfortunately, her mother and father passed away before she and her younger brothers were fully grown. Uh, This left her with the responsibility of raising them to be great warriors as well. Okay. Uh, This led to her taking care of all of their needs. And uh, when they were of age, Takane took her brothers to a warrior training school up in the mountains. After months of training, they were ready to graduate, but... There was soon an issue. It was custom for, uh, sorry, custom of Takane's people to give a graduating warrior garments and a shield made of the skins of animals killed by their fathers. Uh, Takane had prepared the skins of great beasts like lions and other predators that she killed herself. Uh, for this purpose, but her brothers were prideful because of their their heritage essentially like mm-hmm. they didn't think those were good enough um and instead they wanted a nanabolele skin and a nanabolele is a water dra- water dwelling dragon uh that comes from their mythology okay um they were fearsome creatures that were known to give off a fluorescent light in the dark and were always surrounded by a cloud of red smoke when they arrived they were extremely difficult to kill, uh, and going after Ananabolele was often considered to be a suicide mission. Uh, however, Takane was determined to uphold her family's honor and started looking for warriors to accompany her for her journey. Takane eventually found the lair of the Nanabolele and uh, slayed the biggest beast she could find when they fell asleep. Um, 
there's a thing about an old woman giving her like a magic pebble that would protect her and the other hunters from the rest of the the dragons um but it's kind of meh okay and uh takane returned home a hero she then had the proper graduation gifts made for her younger brothers and upheld her family honor but i just think it's a cool story it's like the whole girl who would typically not be in that position to have to uphold her family's honor suddenly has to yeah it just blew my mind i don't know why i never thought of dragons being in south african yeah mythology yeah or like legends okay so uh next is saint george and the dragon uh one of the most popular accounts in Europe of dragon mythology is the tale of St. George and the dragon. This story begins with the plight of the city of Selene in Libya. Uh, the city of Selene was plagued by a dragon that was feeding off of their sheep herds. They fought against the beast until it killed a young shepherd. At this point, the city decided it would be easier to leave two sheep by uh, the lake each morning so that the dragon's hunger would be satisfied. Eventually, however, the dragon ate all of the sheep, and the villagers were forced to sacrifice their own children to the creature. Um, specifically, they did... Uh, sorry, it says... I, if I would just keep reading. This was done through a random lottery. Oh. So It's like the Hunger Games, but for getting eaten by a dragon. Basically. One day, the king's daughter was chosen. Uh, distraught, he pleaded for the mercy for the dragon's mercy, and asked that a different sacrifice be made. His cries were ignored, however, and the young girl was chained to the rock by the lake for the dragon. Luckily for the king, St. George happened to wander into their province and saw the young girl by the lake in the early hours of the morning. He was waiting for the dragon to appear, and when it tried to eat the young girl, he stabbed it with his lance. He then tamed it by making the sign of the cross and using the princess's girdle as a lead for the beast. Like, okay. like a leash. Yeah. Uh, St. George and the princess led the now docile creature into town and promised to kill the dragon. And he promised to kill the dragon if the people converted to Christianity. They agreed and he slayed the beast. Okay, that's a weird one. Yeah. And not the first one tied to converting people to Christianity. Huh. Uh, <clears throat> next is uh, essentially the first gargoyle. Okay. In early France, a dragon uh, it it has a name, but it just means the gargoyle in France in French. Okay. I'm not going to say it because I'm going to butcher it. Uh, so the dragon was terrorizing people who lived by the river Seine. It was creating terrible floods that ruined crops and killed people. It also sank ships, resulting in more loss of wealth and life. Uh, desperate, the people of Rouen decided to make a human sacrifice to the dragon once a year to appease its hunger and to save their city. This was done for several years before a priest named Romanus happened upon their town. Romanus was traveling when he stopped in the city of Rouen and heard the plight of the people. He told them that if they built a church in their city, he would slay the dragon. They agreed and built him a church. When it was finished, he went out to face the terrible dragon. After a struggle, he slayed it. He then severed the head of the beast and mounted it to the walls of the city, and this was how the first gargoyle was created. Interesting. Yeah. But, again, it's tied to 
the church, the church and Christianity. So, um, I think personal opinion, my hot take here, uh, a, a lot of dragon lore, especially, uh, the slaying of dragons in order to protect the people or, or to save people or whatever. Um, obviously was was very much a ploy to get people to convert as willingly as possible. Yeah. Like, I'll only go and kill this monstrous thing that you've been unable to kill if you convert to my religion. I mean, realistically, though, like, if you look through any, all history of dragon slayers, you swap out the change religion to money, land. Let me marry your daughter. Yeah, it's literally, like, the entire, like, line, if you watch anything or read anything or look up anything about supposed dragon slayers, their whole thing was, it wasn't that they were doing it for the good of the people. It was always like, it was always like, and that's, again, referencing Dragonheart, there's, like, the whole thing where he's like, well, that sucks, Uh, I'll take care of that for you, but I want money. Yeah. Like, they yeah, never go out of their way to, if to it do wasn't, it. If it wasn't converting people to, you know, a different religion, it was marrying the king's daughter or becoming king yourself, it, uh, uh, leaving a super rich man. I mean, like, or ha- like, or having, having your land. own land. Yeah. yeah. Like you said, it was never just for. Which is interesting because, like, dragon slayers. Like you look at like all the stories. You have like the King Arthur story where it was you go slay this fearsome beast to prove you're a hero. Yeah. Again, it wasn't ever for the good of the people. It was to prove yourself. Like, yeah, that's what's interesting. I just I think it's interesting because that's and to become king. Yeah. And it was but it was also like, like I said, it's never. Yeah. Just to help people which is <laughs> unique against monsters because usually like you have all these monsters it's like oh this monster's terrorizing town i'm gonna be heroic and i'm gonna stop it there's never that with dragons no it's always for something mm-hmm. but i also thought it was interesting that him mounting the head of the beast on the this city like walls the the was first the first gargoyle like in gargoyles like if you look at them they do have a lot of dragon qualities they do they have the wings, kind of the like how they're sitting would be a four legged a four legged dragon, you know. Yeah. Um. Okay. So I I have the Midgard serpent like a little blurb here, but I have it tied into a part that I'm gonna get into in a little bit. So we're gonna put a pause on that. Um. I would though like to get into a little bit of Chinese dragon lore. Okay. Um, Hit me with some Chinese dragons. So, although we we mentioned it before, although many cultures have a deep-rooted fear for dragons and other serpent-like creatures, Chinese mythology has a very different perspective. They believe that the dragon is responsible for many benevolent gifts, such as good rains, and uh, which in turn bring good harvests and perhaps even life itself. Uh, There are several tales that suggest that the dragon is the most important mythological creature of all. In fact, this creature is so respected in Chinese culture that for many years, only emperors were allowed to have any item that represented or was associated with the dragon. That's really cool. I mean, it's evident, like, even today in Chinese festivals, there's still dragon symbols. Exactly. There's still... 
you get you the know. the uh the dancing dragons where it's the mm-hmm. giant like um i'm not sure what it's made of i want to say paper creation but i think it's more sturdy than that yeah um no. of literally like giant dragons just dancing through the street like yeah. it's it's really cool um so i have kind of a just a little blurb of like a like a chinese story uh, specifically regarding the dragon kings of China. Uh, the dragon kings were thought to be great and powerful deities that uh, lived in magical crystal palaces under the sea. Many people thought these castles were part of the underworld and as such could only be reached through secret entrances and caves. There uh, were thought to li- to their people... I can't think of the my my brain's not doing the wording. Uh, basically, in those like secret entrances and caves, people thought that's where the dragon kings lived. Okay. Uh, the dragon kings controlled the rains and ruled over the waters. Four of the five kings were positioned at the cardinal points, so north, south, east, and west, and uh, ruled over their own section of the sea. The chief dragon king lived in the middle of these mm-hmm. four. Uh, and it was thought that the dragon kings were essentially godlike forces of nature. When the water dragons rose to the surface of the ocean, it was thought that they caused typhoons. Uh, when so they, they were they were used to explain Mother why nature. typhoons happened. Yes, uh, when they flew, there was heavy rain and sometimes hurricanes. So I I think that's a really cool explanation for that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's cool. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it was their way of explaining natural events, Mm -hmm. which is, which is, I always think is really interesting, especially really terrifying natural events. Yeah. And they were able to turn them into positives. Yes. Uh, there are several theories as to where the dragon myth could have come from. Uh, And this, I'm going to get into a little bit of like the scientific explanations of dragons, and then we'll get into like different types. So uh, there, are, there are several theories as to where the dragon myth could, could have come from. Blech. These theories span from inspiration from existing creatures to undiscovered life forms and fossil, fossil remains. Okay. I can't talk. Some also believe that these giant serpent, serpents were created as a way of demonstrating the power of certain religious deities. So essentially, like I said before, they were... This, this creature was invented to make your own gods seem more powerful by defeating them. Yeah. Um, one of the most obvious answers as to what inspired the dragon myth is simply that existing creatures inspired those stories. The theory is... Uh, this theory is a likely candidate, candidate uh, especially when looking at stories like Takane, the print the princess dragon slayer uh, it's apparent to most who study this story that the water dragon in question is actually a crocodile okay i can see that other creatures who are thought to have inspired various stories include snakes eels and monitor lizards yeah i can see that uh there are also those who believe that the inspiration may have come from undiscovered species of reptile while many are doubtful that a species of such a large size could have survived to modern day without being noticed it is still an accepted theory so 
whether you like the movie or not. One of the movies that like explains that there's a movie you've never actually never seen it um, is a movie called Rain of Fire. Yeah. And the whole premise is that as the climate for Earth started uh, being less barren, started being more essentially as Earth itself made it more uh, like conductive to humans living. It made it harder for the dragons to live, like the mm-hmm. the heavy amounts of oxygen and lesser amounts of CO two in the air, kind of made it harder for the dragons to breathe. Yeah. So they end up going underground. Mm-hmm. And the whole plot of that movie is that like humans are mining and they find where the dragons are asleep underground, hibernating. Oh. The dragons come up and they basically start torching everything to get more CO two into the air. Oh. And it reverses. Humans are driven underground. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, we should watch that. It's actually. I'm not gonna lie. Doing all like talking about all this makes me want to go on like a dragon binge. Just yeah. Watch a bunch of stuff about dragons. But I mean, that like goes into this theory that like, yes, they could have been based on actual creatures, and mm-hmm. the reason the evidence hasn't been found is because we haven't discovered everything on Earth yet. It's the same reason why the Leviathan has never been. <laughs> 100% disproven. Yeah. Because we can't look through the entire ocean all at once. Exactly. And we've explored so little of it so far that yeah, anything is possible. Um, there are also those who believe our ancestors may have been inspired by the fossil remains of dinosaurs and other megafauna when they created their tales. Uh, this is another popular theory, especially since many of the cultures with dragon stories are in areas where many fossils have yep. been discovered. Um, so you see a T-Rex skeleton. Oh, hell yeah. Head. If, you don't, if you don't know what a dinosaur is, but you've exactly. heard stories of dragons, or you see even a, if you like haven't Like I said, heard... you see a T-Rex skull, all those teeth. Yeah. Like. Well, yeah, even if you don't, you're in an area like this is when dragon stories like haven't even been circulating it that is a terrifying monster mm-hmm. and then you know what probably happened is like it sounds so stupid to put it this way looking at that monster and looking at like seeing its bones and seeing like it's kind of looks like a serpent because of its spine and because of the way fossils work and then someone somewhere was like and obviously they weren't speaking english but they're like looking at that and then his buddy just goes what if it could fly yeah right like but you could see how like you go from a dinosaur fossil to a flying dragon yeah like that Mm -hmm. like it's it's possible uh, another theory is that religion could have inspired the dragon myths this is partially because it was so common uh for Mesopotamian and near near eastern cultures to have stories of storm gods overcoming mighty sea serpents uh, one of the most popular of these myths, like I said before, because uh, I've mentioned a few of uh, it a few times, is Yahweh yep. fighting the Leviathan. Yep. It's a religion where literally a dragon fights a giant sea snake. Okay. Uh, last uh, is also possible that it's sorry. It is also possible that our own fear and primal instincts inspired the legends. Many yeah. scientists hypothesize that humans may have ha- may have a pre-programmed fear instinct towards snakes and other reptiles. Uh, uh, sorry, I'm sorry to keep interrupting. That's the the main reason. Me and you have talked about it. Mm-hmm. When people 
movies, video games, TV shows, when they want to introduce something that they know will screw with someone's head, they always either introduce snakes or spiders. Mm -hmm. Because it's humanity in general, across the board. Mm -hmm. Snakes and spiders, I'm not saying everybody, because there are people that really love those those animals. But insects, arachnids, however you want to like categorize them. But creepy crawly shit Mm -hmm. tends to make people feel unsettled. Unsettled. Yeah. And they're also commonly introduced as depictions of evil. Yeah. So you get like humanity in general has an issue with snakes. Yeah. It's very easy to make the jump from snakes to giant serpent creature. Yes. Uh, This theory, combined with the places that dragons were said to exist, oceans, lakes, dark caves, general other other dangerous areas could suggest that dragon myths were created as a cautionary tale so essentially don't go don't into go the there. big dark cave there's you a dragon get eaten by a dragon yeah so uh, let me oh, make sure i've got all my stuff aligned here okay so that's generally the history of dragons what may have resulted in the myth in general um obviously a lot of backstory there there is so much oh there's a lot so i've i've literally barely scratched the surface on the history and the mythology and everything surrounding dragons like literally this is this is the tiniest little sliver of information that i have given today like it it like when i first started researching there i i was so overwhelmed yeah <laughs> um so I think that'll be it for maybe we'll dive into more in a, in a later episode. But um, that's essentially all I have for the history, the history. and the, the creation okay. of. So then now you're talking about types. Yes. Okay. Uh, again, as, there are so many different so, types okay. of dragons. As far as I was concerned, it was dragons, wyverns, drakes. Generally. Like, I mean, so I what guess... I'm going to go over here, I'm only going over 10 types. All right. Let's... Uh, and I'm not even touching wyverns or drakes. Okay. Let's, let's, let's slam this. Again, tip of the iceberg here. Like, there, there is so much. And some of these are real creatures that are considered dragons. Okay. So, let's... Uh, so dragons, as we have talked about, come in all different types of shapes and sizes and details. Uh, They can be mythical or legendary or fantastical. Um, Some are even pretty real. Um, So there are dragon stories, dragon tales in some form or another in every culture throughout history. There are creatures that exist today with the name dragon, although they may not quite live up to the status of, you know, dragons from lore. Like the Komodo or the Bearded. (laughs) Um, There are Eastern dragons and Western dragons, fire-breathing dragons, dragons that capture princesses and terrorize villages, uh, wise dragons who hold the knowledge of the ages. Uh, Some dragons hoard gold, some fly, some swim, some are defeated by the hero and others become their friend so I, there's so much so much so uh <clears throat> it is likely that at least part of the legends and myths regarding dragons have some basis in fact and there is scientific evidence that certain creatures that may have 
scientific evidence of certain creatures that may have inspired the dragon stories. Okay. So, the first is... I'm not going to say its scientific name. Just say what it is. It's the Komodo dragon. Komodo dragon, yep. (laughs) It is the largest living lizard on Earth and part of the monitor family or land crocodile. Uh, It is found in Indonesia, predominantly on Komodo Island, although they are rarely seen on other Indonesian islands as well, partly because they can swim. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some Komodo dragons grow up to 10 feet long and can weigh 150 pounds. Yeah, and I bet if you'd never seen one before you turned a corner and saw it, you'd poop your pants. Yep. (laughs) Uh, There are only about 5,000 wild Komodo dragons living today, making them an endangered species. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, that's... Okay. And that is current because this article is from July of 2020. Okay. Uh, Next is a mythical dragon called Yinglong, uh, a classical Chinese winged dragon with serpentine body. Sorry, with a serpentine body. Yinglong are the oldest of eastern dragons. Okay. Um, They are said to have the talons of an eagle, the claws of an eagle, Mm -hmm. uh, the antlers of a deer, and the eyes of a demon. Okay, that is a weird combination I did not see coming. Uh, it is known as the. It is so. This is the Chinese name for it, essentially. But it is known as the proper conduct dragon. All right. Not sure why, and it is said to be the guardian of the waters. Yinglong is frequently included in myths concerning the five emperors, which is, I believe, the I dragon emperors. Could be that wrong, you were but I think about. it's the, north, I think south, it's the east, five west. dragon kings. Uh, this dragon only gets its wings when it's reached its 1,000th birthday. Oh, so it's got to get its dues before it can, uh, it Basically. can fly. And uh, there's actually an illustration that I'm looking at of this dragon right now. And it is the traditional, like... Chinese dragon? No, actually. This one's on all fours. Um, it does have, like, a... It has a, tri- like, like the dragon heart body. Like I said, four four legs, kind of long-ish neck, but the big triangular head. The antlers that are described are more like like horns. Okay. Like, there there's multiples of them, but they don't look like two antlers, like, sticking out of its yeah, head. Yeah, no, it's, it's, yeah, I get what you're saying. They're just, they're, when they say antlers, they're talking about, like, just protrusions from the top of the head. Yes. Uh, and this one, the the illustration of it at least has an extremely long tail. It's kind of wrapping up and around its body mm-hmm. and its tail is forked. Gotcha. So, um, so we also, we also have, uh, sorry, our, is she, is our cat playing with Jin's dog toy? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> She's like rubbing herself all over it. I'm uh, sorry. I don't mean to get distracted. It's just adorable. Okay. Uh, next, we have the biblical dragon. Okay. Which I found interesting. I didn't know there were bi- there were dragons in the Bible. Uh, dragons are mentioned in the Bible numerous times, at least thirty four times. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Uh, I only have one excerpt here, but this one's from the Book of Revelations, chapter twelve, verse three. Uh, quote. And it appeared. 
And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. Uh, the chapter goes on to say that the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. Okay. So, cast out of what? Heaven? Heaven. I'd assume heaven. Seven heads and ten horns. Is that ten horns on each head? Or ten horns split among seven heads? I would assume ten horns on each head. I figured, because that'd be really stupid, because there'd be an odd number of horns. So one head is just like a unicorn. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And then obviously, like I said, seven crowns. One on each head. Uh, Next is the monitor lizard. Okay, could see that again, because that's cl- very close to like, uh, the Komodo dragon and the Gila monster. Yep. Uh, the monitor lizard is a giant meat-eating reptile found mostly in Australia, surprise, surprise, and Southeast Asia. Uh, this carnivorous lizard is featured in Australian dragon folklore and also in the mythology of the Aborigines. And also in the rescuers down under. <laughs> What? <laughs> I don't think Emma's seen the rescuers down, rescuers down under. Probably not. But my sister's probably listening to this with her and she knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, these predatory lizards can grow more than eight feet long and have extraordinarily sharp teeth and claws. Uh, some tales hold that the monitor lizard can drag off sheep or even small children. Yeah, actually, uh, I actually remember reading something that their teeth are... Not in terms of, like, the jaggedness, but in terms of, like, their teeth are specifically designed to pierce stuff, uh, like shark's teeth. Oh, yeah. I'm I, I'm looking at a picture of a fossil of one. Yeah, they're gnarly. They're, they're, it's, like, it's like razors, mm-hmm. and they're all, like, turned inward. Yeah, they're like a shark's, they're like so a shark's thing, so when they grab like, on, you can't get away. No. The only way you're getting away is if that thing tears off whatever it's grabbed. Um, their bite is actually supposed to be poisonous, which I didn't yes, know. Yes, it's their spit. Their yeah. spit's poisonous. Uh, but their fat is used in bush medicine and supposed to heal all sorts of, like, illnesses. I could, I can see that. Like, when you get into, like, the, like, I guess it's called the bush of, like, Australia. Mm-hmm. Like, out in the, out, if you're outside of, like, Sydney and Melbourne, like, yeah. out in the middle of nowhere, they're very okay. I'm gonna say this without trying to be like offensive. Very uh, like primal. No, they believe in a lot of like natural remedies, much yeah. like a uh, lot like uh, Native Americans. Uh, just like having like the healing nature, healing power of nature. So like using to of, everything. I'm trying to think of that word. It's like where they use every aspect of the animal and yeah. everything like that. Yeah. Nothing goes to waste, essentially. Yep. What are you... I'm trying to figure out what our dog's doing. <laughs> Alright, so next we have the fire drake. Okay. In German and Norse mythology, the fire drake is usually found in a cave guarding its treasure. It is, of course, able to breathe fire, looks like a monstrous serpent with massive claws on its front legs... Uh, the fire drake is the dragon that is defeated in the end of the epic poem Beowulf, and Smog, is based the off famous of dragon from The Hobbit, is a fire drake. Yeah. 
I knew this. I knew this one. Uh, next is the Nile crocodile. Makes sense because they're the ones with like the super long. No. I think I think you're right. I don't think the picture associated with this one is correct. So the Nile crocodiles are like the, the big the big boys. Yes. Uh, in ancient times, these creatures sometimes swam across the Mediterranean and wandered around southern Europe possibly inspiring some of the legendary dragon stories. Sightings of these nasty-looking monsters could have created a snowball effect type of storytelling that had them grow larger and more fierce with each retelling. Which is what I said earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, next, we have the Welsh Red Dragon. Uh, the Red Dragon is so important to the Welsh people that their national flag displays an image of the fierce, fierce winged creature with pointed tongue and pointed tail. You looking it up? Yeah, I'll keep talking. I have something for this one. Okay. Uh, Welsh history records mention that dragon mentioned. Oh my gosh, Welsh Welsh history records <laughs> mentioned dra- mentioned dragons as early as 830 A.D. in a legend concerning two dragons engaged in a battle beneath a hill called Dinas Emerus. I'm okay. so sorry if I mispronounced that. Uh, there was a native dragon and a foreign dragon fighting a lengthy war of control that caused chaos in the country until the two dragons were tricked with a barrel of beer and buried deep underground so their screams of war would no longer disrupt the kingdom. Okay. So. So you said that was a Welsh red dragon? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I was thinking because I knew one of the dragons from the Triwizard Cup in Harry Potter was a Welsh dragon. But it was mm. a Welsh green, not a Welsh Welsh uh, red. Yeah. I struggle saying Welsh. It might have been a nod to... It, I think it was. But I yeah. think it was. Uh, so next, we have Jormungandr. Yes. The World Serpent. Also known in German legends as the World Serpent, Jormungandr is supposed to be the result of a love affair between the god Loki and a human giantess. Mm-hmm. Upon discovering the child, the World Serpent, uh, Odin was so angry that he tossed Jormungandr into the vast ocean that encircles Midgard, which is our world. Uh Jormungandr was a serpent who was so greedy and ate so many fish that he grew to such an enormous size he could wrap himself around the entire world. Mm -hmm. In his voracious greed, he bit down on his own tail, and now he remains wrapped around the world, holding on to it. Legends hold that if he ever lets go, the world will come to an end. That's Ragnarok. Um, The other little blurb I have is that Vikings took a lot of inspiration from the tale of Jormungandr. Uh, because of the creature, the Vikings were inspired to carve dragon heads mm-hmm. onto the front of their longships. These longships, uh, sorry, these ships were called drakkar, dragon ships, and were used to strike fear into the hearts of their enemies when they were seen approaching in the distance. Oh yeah, because when the Vikings usually rolled up, like one very, very pop, uh, popular Viking tactic was to hit coastal settlements when it was foggy. Yes. So you would just see these dragons coming out of the fog. And that was the whole thing was to strike fear. And Mm -hmm. by people, time people realized they were boats, the Vikings were already on the land in storming. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. Um, 
Oh, I'm sorry. One of these dragons we've already gone over, which is St. George's dragon. Okay. Which he pierced with the lance. Yep. So our last dragon here are golden dragons. Okay, I was wondering, because we kind of yes. had a little bit of a discussion about this before, because Lindsay hit me with a little bit of knowledge. These are these are on, these ones are my favorite, personally. Okay. So the golden dragon is found in tales across cultures, from Greek mythology to Norse legend. Gold dragons have long tails and massive wings, like they're considered some of the biggest dragons, as well as two large metallic horns and whiskers around their mouth. It lives on high plateaus, so essentially like cliffs, basically, mm-hmm. uh, and smells like saffron and incense. Okay. So it smells like like spices and, and kind of smoky incense. Okay. Uh, golden dragons are champions against all evil. They're wise and friendly and only aid the hero in triumphing over the villain. Uh, this mythical creature can become your talisman and protect you from evil, too. So it's it, like even today, golden dragons are considered to be protectors. Protectors. Um, all you have to do to invoke the golden dragon is to wear an amulet or a ring or a piece of jewelry, essentially, uh, with the image of the golden dragon on it. And typically, golden dragons are the type are the type of dragon that create such a fondness and a love for dragons. Like they're okay. they are the epitome of great noble dragon so, so it's kind of interesting because it seems like they took like the gold dragon is the product of western dragons and eastern dragons together sort of yeah so like it seems like the the golden dragon is taking the physical aspect of the western dragon but mm-hmm. instead of it being the uh f- ferocious like man eater dragon yeah it they took the aspect of the knowledge and the protector from the eastern cultures and kind of interweaved them Mm -hmm. Hmm. but yeah that's everything i've got that was a good one uh i know it was completely different than all of our episodes but i liked it a lot less i really enjoyed it it was a good suggestion change of pace i liked it good Um, request emma good job i like uh Lindsay and I are both suckers for mythology, uh, both suckers for mythical creatures and everything like that. Um, I mean, that was evident when we started talking about like Norse mythology because I, I I love Norse mythology. Uh, so like anytime I can weave that kind of stuff in, I am down. But yeah, we're still gonna do our normal uh, depressing episodes. Yep. But we're gonna mix in some stuff like this, um, like. Ow. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. Um, but yeah, I enjoyed it. I thought that was fun, a fun episode. Maybe do it did make me want to binge some dragon movies. Right? <laughs> uh, oh, which, one last thing before we wrap up. It is crazy, though, that they've managed to, like, throughout time, dragons have evolved, like, with culture, right? Uh, yeah. But movies have managed to make dragons encompass all aspects. Like, you have... Like we already mentioned, Mulan. You mm-hmm. have the luck dragons. You have this. You have that. Dragonheart. Game you have dra- of Thrones. Because in Dragonheart, they were like honorable, knowledgeable creatures. Mm-hmm. Game of Thrones. They're more like wild beasts. Yeah. Uh, then you have like even kid stuff like Pete the Dragon, the old animated. Uh, Dragon Tales was or, one that I watched. Dragon Tales. You know, they're 
it's kind of crazy because they're one thing that kind of span every genre. There's yeah. horror movies about dragons. Mm-hmm. There's sci-fi movies about dragons. There's, you know, all different kinds of stuff. And it's really cool seeing the gambit because you can watch it and be like, well, they're pulling from this culture or they're yes. pulling from this story or they're mm-hmm. pulling from this ideal. Uh, I just think it's cool. That's my little nerd rant. I'm done. No, yeah, I, I, I agree. It's it's really cool the way, like you said, because it is such a widespread mythology and there's generally dragons in just about any like religion or like I said, mythology or culture. It, it is really cool to see like when there is a depiction of a dragon in a movie or a TV show or what have you. It It's really cool to see especially if you know the backstory of dragons and, and the, the different cultures and, and how those cultures view dragons, it is really cool to see specifically what culture they're pulling from with certain things that the dragons do or the way they look or, you know, how they interact with humanity. Yes. So. But yeah. All right. Cool. If you enjoyed uh, our episode, you know the drill. Go to simplecast.com or whoa, dying to know dot simplecast.com. Uh, all of our social media links are there. You can like us, follow us on all the above, rate us, review us wherever you listen to us. Yep. Uh, you can also email us at dying to know cast at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I think that's about it. That's about it. As long as me and Lindsay don't, you know, get buried to death in this blizzard that we're going to get. <laughs> I'm joking. We're just going to get snow. <laughs> a lot as, of snow as someone who grew up probably the most snow you've ever seen yes <laughs> as someone who grew up in an area where it was like hey we'd get half an inch of snow they'd cancel school and it would melt by 9 30 and by noon it was back in the 60s or 70s <laughs> yeah. the prospect of getting anywhere from 15 to 30 inches of snow i'm just like oh god <laughs> i looked at the temperature thing and saw negative <laughs> on the degrees i'm like what is this nightmare <laughs> but anyway uh, thank you for listening, mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's about it. All right, we'll catch you next week. Okay, love you. Bye.